This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. So I'm excited to welcome our first guest, Regina Jaslow. She is the CRO of AmpliCare. Um, she also serves as president of the Wharton Club of New York, which is the largest alumni club of the Wharton School globally. And I guess you're, you're following Kenny Beck, another friend of the Wharton Social Impact Initiative, in that role. Indeed. And uh, AmpliCare works at the intersection of technology and healthcare, breaking down complex barriers in the industry. Regina has lots of exciting work in healthcare innovation. Welcome to the show, Regina. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're delighted. So you graduated Wharton undergrad 97. That's right. And since then have had just fascinating experience working in healthcare innovation. Can you tell us, you know, two minutes a little bit about your career journey? Sure. When I first graduated from Wharton, I worked in an engineering firm right outside of King of Prussia. And uh, I had always been interested in healthcare, but never quite got to it. And ultimately, I worked in various industries from online publishing at smartmoney.com to financial services. And finally, I landed as a volunteer role on the board of the floating hospital. And that's how I got my foray into that space. And I was truly fascinated with how everything works is very convoluted. Uh, in at the floating hospital, what's amazing about it is that the complications are not just about health care and insurance, but also about helping homeless families, people who have domestic violence cases, and trying to get them funding. So everything is charity-oriented in that place, and people don't need to, to have an income, so to speak, in order to pay for health care, because if they can't afford it, health care is still provided to so, them. So tell us more about the, the floating hospital and what it is, and then let's talk about that journey where a volunteer gig uh, leads you know, to greater and greater involvement with this nonprofit, but also to a different uh, actual job for you. So what is the floating hospital? The floating hospital provides free health care to those families who need health care and can't afford it. So it provides uh, primary care services, dental services, mental health care services, and in it, New York City. In New York City. And, and I got to ask, what makes it floating? Like I'm <laughs> envisioning a boat, but I'm not sure. You're like, there's a boat sailing around Manhattan? I don't know. Yes, there's some history to it. Uh, this is the oldest pediatric tra- charity uh, medical facility, and it started out as an actual physical boat that was docked at the south end of the uh, World Financial Center area. And unfortunately, during 9-11, the debris from the buildings falling down destroyed the boat and wow. had to be towed away. And eventually, the floating hospital became a landed location in Long Island City. But it has vans that ferries people literally from various boroughs mm. to the floating hospital's various facilities, including the main one in Long Island City. And, and what kind of things have you learned as a, as a volunteer and now as the vice chair and treasurer at the Board of Trustees for the Floating Hospital that made you think, yeah, I actually want a career in business. I want a career in a startup in healthcare. Yeah, what really inspired me in working with the people at the Floating Hospital is how passionate and dedicated and committed they are and how they love their jobs so much. And even if they had difficult moments in their work, their daily work, that it, every day they go home thinking that this is all well worth it. Mm. And I really saw that light and fire in their eyes, and I thought, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah. So, so talk to us about the tr- transition you then made to, to a career in health and health tech. Yeah, so I uh, uh, got a call from a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who introduced me to AmpliCare. And when I researched that company a little bit, I learned that they were using software and technology to 
enable pharmacies to more effectively help patients and improve healthcare outcomes and also improve their business. And I really love that concept. It really intrigued me. And so I um, talked to them a little bit more, and here I am today. And AmpliCare's businesses, they are, AmpliCare's customers are primarily pharmacies, right? It's about That's improving right. the performance of, fi- of pharmacies. Yes. And, and how does AmpliCare do that? Sure. One of the challenges of pharmacies' abilities to help um, patients is that patients are not terribly adherent to taking their prescription medication. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, sometimes it's cost, right. and sometimes it's just uh, side effects from prescription medication, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just no one to sort of keep on top of them. So AmpliCare has a software platform that tries to address some of these areas. It has a automated phone call system to remind patients when they miss their refills, mm-hmm. for example, mm-hmm. just to keep on top of them. And then it also recognizes when a prescription medication um, is going to deplete certain nutrients in the human body, and it alerts the pharmacist so that they can then recommend certain over-the-counter supplements that can counter those side effects, and that reduces those kinds of side effects so that it enables the patient to continue with that medical regimen without sort of giving up Mm -hmm. on that medication. And also, we have a software tool that helps Medicare patients compare insurance plans and that it can save patients up to $1,000 a year, and that's really significant for people. Yeah, and it is, I mean, you can imagine the need for this fairly universally. I was in a blood pressure study after um, we had our son, and they wanted to, you know, test, and I would get a text, you know, in the next 30 minutes, go find your blood pressure machine, and then text us the results. And so there's an obvious benefit to consumers and to sort of the compliance, healthcare compliance, as this is referred to. What's the business case for this you know, operation. Yeah, it's amazing when you see a pharmacist at work day to day. And uh, most of us have stood in the lines of the pharmacies mm-hmm. and see them rushing about behind the counter. And they have very little time. And one of the reasons they went into healthcare in the first place is to help patients. Mm-hmm. And they're really interested in spending time doing clinical advisory work. But really, they spend a lot of their time doing a lot of administrative work, uh, you know, checking in insurance and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And we try to automate that process. And when we automate that process, it frees up time. And when they have time, they can spend that time instead doing the things that they love and got them interested in, in this whole business to begin with. And with some of these other um, automated alerts with, say, the supplement uh, recommendations, mm-hmm. those also help to drive revenue. So it helps the pharmacies oh, okay. stay afloat and grow sustainably. So, you know, I think when we hear about pharmacies, at least for me and today, uh, what comes to mind as I think about dispensing drugs is the, op- the opioid crisis. Uh, is this something where AmpliCare is, is thinking about this, trying, trying to provide services, anything to alert patients, alert pharmacies, is, is, or is this, you know, yes, that's going on, but not part of our business? We are well aware of that crisis, and it's something that is at the back of our minds. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are, um, the mission of the company is to touch, hopefully one day, all patients around the world globally. And this opioid crisis is happening right here in the United States in our backyard and elsewhere, too. And it's something that we're thinking about. We don't yet have a good solution, mm-hmm. uh, but it's certainly somewhere in the back of our mind, and we're hoping to solve that, too. And AmpliCare is a, is a startup. So uh, how it, uh, you're new with AmpliCare. Yes. And AmpliCare itself is pretty new. Tell us a little bit more about the, the, the company. How old is it? What's, what's its trajectory been? Sure. The company started in 2012. 
and it started out with a company named called iMedicare at first. It had the first software that helped the, uh, the pharmacies work with their patients with the Med Medicare Part D plan comparisons. And over time, they realized that, hey, we have other things that we can develop, and it's not in the Medicare space, so we really need to rebrand the company. And so they rebranded it as Amplicare, and that's where I came along to do that. That was my first job there. And um, they have since launched different products in just this past year. And the, the idea is that over time, we won't be serving only pharmacies, but other healthcare providers. And so that ultimately, it enables us to touch patients around the world. So global expansion is certainly on the horizon. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you use the data you collect? So are you getting texts back from actual um, users saying, yes, I took my medication? Are you able to you know, improve the health landscape by what you're learning through this data? Yeah, right now we have the data from the pharmacy system. Uh, we don't yet have the data direct from the consumers, so that's certainly something that we're looking at. How do we actually uh, close out any loopholes in that equation? Mm -hmm. Because adherence is really a tough thing, and one of the measures, the performance metrics that a pharmacy has is to enable the, uh, the patient to adhere to the medication at least 80% of the time. And that is really, in, in all things, in all cases, quite a tough accomplishment. Yes, it's really a challenge, right? I mean, we know this from from research. I know, at, you know that we have healthcare faculty at Wharton who are doing research on compliance and how you drive compliance is is really a challenge. But I think it's a cool idea, Sandy, that you know you do have a lot of information in the text. You have a lot of ability to do experiments on, you know, if we word it this way, what what, are we, what kinds mm -hmm. of compliance do we see? Do people come in if we don't do it, you know, and come back in for their medication and so on? So interesting right. possibilities. What would you return to the pharmacy saying, you know, I need a new prescription or I lost my old prescription or, you know, I haven't taken it or now I'm coming and getting a prescription for something that's a downstream impact of having not done the preventative medicine I was prescribed. Um, how are electronic medical records playing into this whole ecosystem? How do you see sort of the landscape of health tech shifting in this data-driven economy? Yeah, I think that right now our software is focused on the B2B side of things, but I think consumers are really going to drive a lot of that because you know consumers want to take control of their health care, and sometimes they do need help. So we, we think that the healthcare professionals being pharmacies uh, can really help them at this stage in the game. You know, they, they meet their primary care physicians, and uh, but they don't do that terribly often, but they actually see their pharmacies mm -hmm. uh, amazingly often. Sure, yeah. especially yeah. if you have to pick up monthly or quarterly. Absolutely, and sometimes we have, they have multiple medications. They can go to the pharmacy every week, mm -hmm. and so they actually develop a relationship with the pharmacist. I have to say, this is a little bit of cognitive dissonance for me because I view... I think as so many Americans do, the pharma, the relationship with the pharmacist is very transactional. Like I forget that they're experts in medicine and really I'm like, I'm here to get my prescription. So I think it's very interesting to hear yeah. this, this desired shift of, no, we want to make sure all the operations are quick and easy so that the pharmacist can actually talk to the patient about side effects and it's compliance. Really, it's, a really it's a really interesting I point. Yeah. I don't exchange I 10 comes, words with my pharmacist. Right. I, you know, I have in the past, but not with my current, you know, now you know, at the current pharmacy, I go to CVS. It's like, yeah, it's, it's very, not, it's, it's not totally, even my expectation. Right. It's totally transactional. That has not always been the case, but you know, it's sort of forgotten, right? You might actually have a relationship with this person. Right. And yeah. that's the one thing that we hope to change. And I think that the pharmacists are really excited about that. Yeah. So, Regina, and uh, we, we need to wrap up, but tell us, I would love to hear your advice for people who are thinking, yeah, you know, I'd kind of like to join a startup. It sounds exciting. 
What should they know about joining a startup? How should they evaluate a startup? Any just what advice do you have for people who are thinking, yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, there are lots of startups out there, so there's a plethora to choose from, and certainly selecting them is not an easy task. I think you have to really look at the business case, think about the business itself, and if it's a consumer-oriented business, you know, do you think that this is something you, your mom, and your dad, and your sister, or your brother is going to want to use this? And if not so, then it's probably a question mark. Mm -hmm. I think that when you value the business, it's got to be like absolutely hundred percent, and then maybe you have a good chance of going ahead with that. But if it's a question mark, probably not. Yeah, yeah. Right. So if you're skeptical as an employee, the customers are going to be skeptical as well. Exactly. Great. Yeah. Well, Regina, thank you so much for your time. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.